So yes. anywhere between that, as long as we're not hitting red. Yeah, red means it's red is bad. It's clip. It's clipping is a bad. Red is bad. Okay, it's probably theological. Something I can talk about. Red is bad. Red is bad. Red is bad. Man, I'm probably not gonna talk that long. Red is bad. It, red is not the worst. Red is bad. You could be. Red is bad. Stop saying red. Red is bad. All right, I think we're good. Oh, good about this. Okay, yeah, let's just go. <laughs> Welcome to No Sick Days. I'm Chris. I'm John. And we are two friends that have been having the same conversation about games for the past 28 years. 29 years. 29 years. Oh, I said 28 <laughs> years for so long, it's stuck in my head. And we are here to share that information with you today. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. I think it's very exciting. I'm, I'm shivering with excitement. <laughs> uh, we're going to start off with news, as we always do, in season two and our glorious new revolution of amazing content that we're bringing you. Yeah, and structure. Structure, wow. And uh, faux professionalism. Ooh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. It's not a good carried away. Okay. All right, so... What's up in the news? We got, we got some news. There's some news. We, we, we got some news. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the three Ds, the triple D threat, as it's known in this episode. Okay. Yeah, all right. So we got Dead or Alive 6. Yep. Uh, it is free-to-play now on Steam. It just came out a couple weeks ago, but they launched a new free-to-play version. It's also should be free-to-play on PS4 today, if not within the next couple of days. Sweet. So you should check it out. It's very easy to kind of get in and play, and has a pretty good tutorial system. When you say free to play version, is it is it the full game? So what you get is four characters that you can play in training and play in ranked play, and you also get a little quest system that gives you access to unlocking different costumes for those characters. Okay. If you want to play any other characters, it costs five bucks per character. Per character, uh, you can also buy the full game, which is twenty five characters or whatever, for sixty bucks. Sixty bucks. That's a clever way to do it. It is. And the four characters are interesting enough. I mean, the game is probably reasonably well-balanced, and you should check it out if you have any interest in fighting games, because it's very easy to get into compared to something like Tekken. Like, you just can button mash a lot of combos and do a lot of things that look kind of cool. <laughs> I don't know how deep the game actually is. I don't know that I'll play it a lot, but it's at least fun as a diversion. Yeah, and I I uh, had no interest in playing that Mostly do the price tag, but when it's free and I can actually play at least a decent version of the game, that now I'm interested. Yep, that's what I'm going to do. I wasn't uh, going to buy the game, but I'll definitely play it for free. I, I'm not looking forward to having to explain to my wife the fan service part of the game because it's pretty heavy. Well, kind of what they're known for. <laughs> if, if you don't want a girl in a bikini, you can play a guy in a speedo. So I'll say you have different questions, but <laughs> I'll just say what? Hey, hey, uh, wife, would you like me to switch over from this uh, scantily clad? Uh, girl over to a scantily clad guy. That yeah, good? everybody wins in Dead or Alive. <laughs> <laughs> everybody. <laughs> we punch each other's clothes off. It's so great. How can I go wrong? All right, so, uh, so, so I got next one, Dwarf Fortress. Okay. The absurdly complex game with ASCII characters for its graphics is coming to Steam with a brand new graphical tile set. Uh, there's no ETA on it yet, but that's pretty exciting because the game doesn't look like a game. It looks like code. Yeah, but I thought that was part of the charm. Yeah, and some people are like, I don't want this version. <laughs> uh, I I do, maybe. I'll at least take a look at it when it comes out, but I think that's a good change for the game. Alright, sorry, when I say charm, I mean the people who take pride in the fact that they have somehow overcome the learning curve of this very 
that's what I'm looking for here. It's a very complex. A complex game, yeah. Let's just go with that. Yeah, it's it's crazy how many rule sets you have to learn to even accomplish anything at all in Dwarf Fortress. Right. Which is so, why I don't play it. And I play some pretty crazy games, and that's out of my league. Okay. Um, so Devil May Cry 5 is the other one, just as a quick touch of base, because it is probably the best game that's come out so far this month, although Sekiro Shadows Die Twice is coming out next week. Uh, Capcom basically is making a nice resurgence, kind of capped off by Devil May Cry 5 that started with Monster Hunter World uh, last year. So it's kind of good to see them coming back with some of their old mainstays. Hopefully that means good things for Street Fighter Six whenever that comes out, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Street Fighter Five is okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's that's what I've got for my Triple D threat. I've got some, one other thing, but if you've got some news you'd like to share. Yeah, I do. Uh, first up, uh, from my endless app playing, uh, my soccer team, which I brought up for in the last, ep- last two episodes, I think, uh, yep. still undefeated. Yep. Now we drew a match. But technically, that's not losing. <laughs> it's Unde- not losing. It's undefeated. You know, I'm feeling better about this than Lineage 2. <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit better about it. Seems like there's a little more to it. And mainly because I haven't I haven't done any grinding on a soccer game before. So I don't have like the PTSD flashbacks like that's you do fair. when you bring up anything in Lineage. That's fair. Uh, I What's been cool is I've, I've started to get a little more, pay a little more attention to... Um, how I'm managing, like, my subs. Uh, my team's getting good enough where I've got, like, subs who are actually good. And so I've made a few mistakes because, like, I've, I'm kind of overloaded in the midfield and I don't have any good subs on the right. Uh, so I've got, like, so if my, my um, mid-right player gets tired, I don't have anybody to... I can replace him with, like, an attacking mid-right, but then the guy takes a hit because he's not... He's out of position, technically. So that's kind of neat. So I'm like, now that I'm utilizing this system and realizing it's it's powerful, I'm like reevaluating my team a bit. So is there an automatic subsystem where you say when this player is below, like you do it in the middle of a game? How yeah. do you? Uh, so do you need to log in during the game. Yeah, so, I'll watch, yeah. So if you're watching the game live, so the game goes live at seven o'clock. Let's say yeah. you need to be there at seven to actually make any of these adjustments. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. So if I want to adjust any of my team's mentality, tackling stuff. So what I'll, if I'm watching the game, you get a bonus for like possession, which is which is kind of neat. So it's like, hey, okay. the manager's watching the game, so we're going we're gonna to give you a small bonus. Sure, it makes sense. You can also activate bonuses on the fly during the game because you're watching it. You get like 20-minute attack bonus or 20-minute possession bonus or whatever. Right. Um, but you can also make adjustments to how your team's playing. Like if you want to adjust your mentality, like... Uh, how you're attacking, hard attacking, defending, whatever, um, your tackling style, if you want to do low, mid, high. So usually if I'm like way out in front, I'm going to take that tackling style way down to low because I don't want to okay, risk sure. Yeah, I don't want to risk a, a red card or right. a low card. Um, and then uh, you, you can adjust, you know, your defending, like do you want to play man on man or zone because like one will like tire players out faster than the other and there's, there's how hard you want to be pressing them. There's, there's a lot of things you can tweak in the middle of the game which seem to have an effect. You can also change your formation in the, while the game's happening, but to, to bring it back around to the subs, yeah, so I started utilizing subs, so I'm watching, like, if one of the players is, like, starting to get tired and his rating is, like, getting kind of low, I'll swap them out, but you have to do that in real time, and so you say, and it's also not instant, it's like soccer, like, you say, okay, we're going to make the sub, but you have to wait until the moment comes up in the game where you're allowed to make a sub. Gotcha. Do you know if the other person is also watching the game and managing it? Yeah, they're there. Can I you see. talk to them? Can you say, "Hi, you got scored on scrub"? <laughs> no, um, no. But they'll they'll. I've had seen it a few times where if when I go to the the, the fans section of the game, um, 
it'll show your icon there and show you their, your bonus. But if you see their icon under their team, you know they're actually watching Same the game thing. also. Yeah, and they're also adjusting. Are games. you finding? So you got promoted last season, yeah. right? Yeah. Are you finding more people are watching the games that you're playing against? Um, in the higher bracket? No, but I am finding. I'm sure at some point that will happen. Yeah, but. I'm definitely fighting or going up against fighting. <laughs> I'm definitely going up against better teams. That's sure. that's been noticed. I was going up against a dude who was slightly better. My, his team was slightly better than mine. So I grinded uh, ads for two days. <laughs> I grind those ads. And then my team was better than his. Hey, <laughs> finding the secrets. <laughs> pay your time or pay your money. Yeah. So I'm in the game. I'm still enjoying it. I'm not as like, I'm not watching every game like I was. Just because like my team's, I'm still in a league where I'm, the, my team by far and away the best team, and so it just it's you don't just, really need to. Yeah, like I I drew a game and I was kind of bummed about that. Right. I watched that one, but um, yeah, the rest is just kind of autoplay. But I think I'll be getting. I'm, I'm guessing by like the next league, I'm really going to get a little more focused on it. Gotcha. Um, the big news, which just came out today, uh, so one of the big problems we've had with Anthem. So Anthem, remember last time yep, we talked talk about, about it? Anthem, we're both playing it a little. Yeah, play more than me, but we're both playing it. Yeah, I've been playing it for a decent amount of time now, and uh, I've been having fun. It's only crashed to me like a couple times a day. I even started a thread on Reddit that was like uh, a crash party, basically. Yeah, it, help, like, it helps that Rachel, my wife, was able to get us free copies of the game. <laughs> yeah, I'm not as frustrated about it because right. of that reason, right? Um, but one of the big issues has been like in late game getting the loot, like the loot drop rates for the really high end gear. It's just been abysmal. Right. And there was like a brief error where like the loot drop rates jumped up and everybody was suddenly having a huge great time and then they fell back down again, like got quote unquote corrected and uh, caused like a whole, you know, outcry with the fan base and boycotts and all this stuff. But um, an announcement announced today they're doing a server side change and it should already be live as of recording this. So it'll definitely be live by the time we release this. Uh, that they have made the adjustment back. So now the two highest difficulty levels. The loot rates for everything should be way up. Right, and has by far been the biggest complaint with the game. There was one point in time where the Anthem Reddit page was just literally the front page was all related to loot. Mm -hmm. It was so funny to look at something and see an obvious solution and it had not be implemented. But it looks like they finally theoretically uh, did it. Theory, we'll, yeah. we'll see. But it's a, well, there's, there's, Anthem still has some other huge problems, which we're going to discuss more later in this episode right. as part of a larger segment related to level scaling and power scaling, especially because in Anthem, it's, it's very uh, esoteric. I mean, they say they try and tell you what it is, but stuff just doesn't add right. up. It's, Anthem is very weird. We talked about this a little bit um, offline about how it is a great shooting game. The combat is great, mm -hmm. but the RPG elements, ironically, are pretty bad. Yeah, it's uh, for for a studio that's known for its RPGs. Right. This like the story itself. What like little story there is. I mean, I enjoyed the story. Right. I just. I mean, I played it <laughs> for not very much of it. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. I played it for a week and right. already blasted through the entire story. And I was just like, I. That's it. This is this is the whole game. I was like, oh, we're already going back to the side of the last boss, and oh, we're fighting. Oh, we won. Okay, I guess. And that's that. I guess that's that. <laughs> We're done. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's lots of little side quests, sure, but on the whole, it's like, it's just, I'm like, where the, where the hell's the rest of the game? I mean, that's and that's the other most common complaint I see is everybody keeps saying, where's the rest of the game? Right. This is an incomplete game. Right. Uh, there's it's just lacking content. And I don't, I, my hope is this wasn't one of those, let's hold it back and uh, we'll release it like piecemeal over the next year. Um, and they just went too far with it. I don't know. 
Right. We'll see. I mean, regardless, it's something they can definitely improve and work on. And if they do, okay, we'll see. But and there's one other one other common complaint too is people were saying that EA had kind of forced uh, these guys Bioware to push the game out too soon or like monetize the game, and that's one of the problems. And um, there was some pushback on that. I mean, people EA does give their developers a lot of latitude. Uh, but well, there's an EA exec got on and said, "No, look, look, we don't do that. Like, we give them plenty of room to do what they want to do. We gave the Anthem team tons of time to make the game they wanted to make." Um, but there's another uh, insightful comment I thought about his co his comment, in that sure they may be giving them latitude, but when people are making decisions about where the resources are going to go, you know, they're more likely to spend resources on games that are going to create passive income for them, right? Uh, that are going to continually generating money once the game is released um, in a small way. And so while there may not be somebody sitting around saying, oh, Bioware developer, you have to monetize your <laughs> game. Get rid of that RPG and, and do, you know, multi to make, make Destiny. I don't loot think, boxes everywhere. Yeah, loot boxes everywhere. <laughs> so that never happened, right? But what probably would happen, although this clearly didn't happen with Anthem because they had six fucking years to make the game, what, what probably happens is, you know, they're sitting around deciding, all right, we have limited resources. What, where do we want to put these to get the best return on our money? As opposed to thinking, what's going to be the coolest game we can release, right? Right. Um, you know, it's easy to maybe criticize. I've seen both people criticize and say, and also give EA slack for that comment on uh, forcing Anthem Bioware devs to create some sort of games as a service model where there's some ongoing revenue stream. And I think, in my opinion, it's fine to say that with a multiplayer game because there's so many ways to monetize an online game yeah. without creating a lot of backlash from customers. I mean, the skin model has been hugely successful yeah. with both Fortnite and Apex, and there's absolutely no reason why that couldn't work with Anthem. But, well, do you know how they implemented that in Anthem? Uh, have, you heard, have you heard this? Not exactly, no. I mean, I haven't really messed with it too much. So the way every every time you go to the store, there's like one there's one store you can check in to buy animations, uh, emote, emotes, and uh, okay. like special uh, metal covers and decals. Right. Uh, there are two uh, emotes that change. There are like one or two skins and one or two or one or two like materials you can change out. As opposed to you can't change the armor, but you can change up the material the armor is made out of. It's okay. a very subtle change, <laughs> and you can change. There's two vinyls, but that's it, and that's what's in the store for like days. And so for multiple days, that's all you can buy. So it's not even. And then it then it rotates out to something, and now you can't buy those. And now you can only buy these two. That's so weird. And, and of the and of the uh, of the there's always actually I take it back. There's there's one of the one of the things you can buy is a is always going to be a javelin specific thing as well. So, like, if it's not your turn in the store, it could be, like, a week or two before you could even have the opportunity to buy something for your javelin. Why? Yeah, I, and everybody's the just The whole like, point of these is to give you some carrot to race after. Yeah. And try to attain and say, I'm saving up my money for this cool skin or whatever the case yeah. is. Or Right, I'm just saving my coins up in the hope that the next time the store cycle's over, it'll be my turn. And... It, and <sighs> And I'm hoping it'll be cool, but it's, I have no idea what else there's gonna be. That's so weird. Yeah. I yeah. It's I mean, I'm still super dumb. Still complaining about Bioware on this one more than anyone else. Yeah, that's that's a. Well, anyways. But that's it. Well, here we are shooting all over Anthem again. Yeah. I, I do want to say before we leave this part, 
I actually I am the reason why I keep playing it though is because I am having a lot of fun. Like once I'm in the game, past the past the damn loading screen, right? And I, and you're in the fight. It just feels well. It's, it feels really good. That's what I'm saying. Is like the actual gameplay is fun. Super fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the RPG progression element is not quite there. I mean, it's just really weird. It's moments I feel like I'm in. Remember the movie Starship Troopers? Like I feel like I'm in Starship Troopers sometimes. Just right. Like unloading ammo or. Weapons and I think all of it comes back to like it's just a very quizzical feeling that I have about all of this. Like, why? <laughs> yeah, it's all the stuff around that. Just confused. It's like they got they got a great mechanic, core, a core mechanic there, gameplay wise, and then everything else is just what happened. Right. So we'll talk about that more in the third part with level scaling, yeah. in games in general. Uh, so for me, I've gotten really, really attached to this one particular fighting game that I'll bring up because we talked about it. Last episode with Evo. Okay. Uh, it's called Undernight Inbirth <laughs> EXE Latest. Yeah, that's really, one of really silly name. Uh, uh, so I, I take back Eunice. my comment where I think you made it up, and now <laughs> I'm going to say I think you just took a dartboard and just threw darts at it to pick out. Oh, no, that's a pretty normal name by anime fighting game standards. Okay. That's super reasonable. Uh, the graphics are eh, but the, I mean, the style is kind of cool, but it's in 720p, so when you go to 1080p, the, everything's kind of a little pixelated, which is kind of annoying, but the actual fighting mechanics are really good. It feels, it's the first fighting game that I have been able to go in and make my own combos and feel like they're both effective and fun to create. And normally I have to look up videos to see, all right, what's the optimal combo for this character off of this attack? But here, for whatever reason, the mechanics are just so much more freeform as well as obvious about the rules centered around them okay that it makes it very easy and the way that it works is basically the way to think about it uh is every attack can be used once in a combo okay unless you land back on the ground and then you can reset and do those moves again so most moves you've got three attacks you've got a weak a medium and a strong attack so you could do a weak, medium, and strong, and then do that same thing on the ground, assuming they have the right range. And then you can hit them in the air, and then you could do a weak, medium, strong in the air. Maybe I mean, range and weird things can happen. But generally, you can do that, and you've got like an eight to nine hit combo without really knowing anything about the game. Mm-hmm. And so it feels rewarding, and you have special attacks that you can easily add into that uh, in a way that everything just feels very reasonable about how characters kind of float in the air or stay in the air and how you're attacked. It's very fluid. And that plus the fact that the characters are all very diverse feeling, uh, it's just clearly like, hey, this character has a wolf that you summon and do cool things with. This character is insanely fast and basically teleports around the screen. Mm -hmm. Uh, This character is this weird spider boy who like flings webs around and teleports around his webs on the screen. And it's just very cool, weird things that make each character feel unique. And... It's very easy to get in and play, which is further buoyed by the best tutorial system I've ever seen in a fighting game. Wow. Hand, okay. Hands down the best. Uh, so the game has been really fun to play, and it's pretty much my second game to Tekken now. Oh, wow. Uh, easily surpassed. I mean, it's still early, so I don't want to, like, fanboy too hard, but I think it's a better game than Dragon Ball Fighters or Street Fighter V. And so... So how much, how much is it? What systems? Uh, it's on Steam and PS4. Uh, they just had a PS4 sale for it last week where it was $20. So it's $20 on sale. I think it's normally $50. Wow, that's a crazy good sale. Yeah, so it's a very good sale. It's $40 on Steam. It's, I think, 32 on sale for See. throughout the weekend. Should have grabbed that while I had a chance. Next time. I'll let you know when it's on sale. Yeah, yeah, please. It's it's a, it's a really good game, and I think probably easier for most people to get into than Tekken, which okay. I still love, but 
there's a lot of difficulties in getting into Tekken. This is one of the games that bumped Smash. And this is, Showdown. yeah, so this and uh, Samurai Spirits, or Samurai Showdown, which is no, what bumped Which nobody's Smash played, Melee. right. Which nobody's played, yeah. yeah. It's, no one's going to play it until later this month, <laughs> for the first time, so who knows. <laughs> but this game is definitely good. There you go. So I'll give my stamp of approval for it. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, that's, I mean, that's all the news I have. That's what I've got. I'm looking forward to our next segment where we're going to dive into something that just affected me this morning that I found out about <laughs> uh, and how Epic Games exclusives are kind of trying to take a foothold in the gaming industry and whether that's good or bad for actual gamers. Yeah, I believe you said something along the lines of disrupting the gaming economy in a bad way? Yeah, potentially. It's certainly annoying... Uh, for me, and part of that is going to be determined by how developers handle it, mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about that because each developer has gone about this exclusivity deal a little bit differently, mm -hmm. and the one that kind of frustrated me was Phoenix Point uh, by Snapshot Games. We are basically, they're like, hey, we give you this. Okay, give us money. No, we don't, we're not giving you that anymore. Yeah, it's kind of backwards. Well, it's, it's good. Let's get into that Yep. once we get into that. Yeah, yep. So yeah. That's, that's my segue for it. Just, I just want you to hear ten my... Out of, 10 out of 10 segue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, John. That's uh, nice of you. Hey, that's what I'm here for. All right. All right. Uh, let's, speaking of segue, let's go to break and we'll come back. Sounds good. Hey, guess what? What? We're back. Hey! Wow! Okay, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Epic Games launched their own platform to compete with Steam, GOG, and Origin, and every other of these crazy platforms that have just been popping up all over the place and inundating our computers with millions of different launchers for whatever reason. Yeah, these are... Right. So, this, so basically, this, I think people are most familiar with Steam. So, people are most familiar with Steam. Provided to us by Valve. Yep. So, Steam has been the gold standard... Uh, basically the de facto gold standard in the industry for a while because they were the first ones to have their own independent launcher and with games that you could launch from their platform kind of has its own little mini DRM protection, right? It's not like major intrusive DRM necessarily, but right. it requires something to, to launch the game. Right. Uh, so Epic Games, uh, so there's a lot of money in games. You know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, Wait. hundreds of billions of dollars, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, you may be surprised to <laughs> find out. And so Epic Games wants to get in on it. Sure. And uh, the first way that they tried to get into the market, or that they kind of promoted, is that they're giving an 88-12 split to developers. So this industry standard, for those who don't know, is 70-30. So for every game developer, mm -hmm. they will lose 30% of their money to Steam or GOG or whoever. Right. So basically they'll split. So the revenue comes in, they sell the game for 50 bucks, 70% goes to them, 30% goes to the, uh, the publisher, in this case, Steam. Or right. Gog. Right. Whereas... Well, the distributor, not the publisher. Yeah, sorry, but the yeah. distributor. The, I guess they split their revenue with the publisher. Right, and they have uh, whatever. Everyone has yeah. their own different rate splits with publishers. So then uh, <clears throat> Epic is, you said, 88-12? 88-12. So they will uh, keep uh, less than half of what Steam would keep if you sell their, their game there. And so that's obviously very lucrative, as it should be, to developers to yeah. keep more of their money. That can be... Is, yeah, for, it's, you know, that's, that's like... Bills paid. That's payroll. Made. That's super that's reasonable. Yeah, I mean, that's a, super interesting. It's a lot, um, there it's a there lot is, of to be fair, another studio or another distri distributor that's already doing that called Itchio, but they're primarily focused on indie games. They okay. give, I think it's a 90 10 split. 
Wow. So it's way better, but they don't really have the capacity to do some of the stuff that these major players with you know millions of dollars invested in their infrastructure are able to do. Right. It's more of a um, like DRM-free type platform. You just download the game and you know do whatever you want with it. It's a uh, not. It's kind of got like a little bit of a MySpace feel to it. Like mm -hmm. every developer has their own oh, page, no. and it all doesn't have the same fluid feel as like Steam does. Steam is very streamlined. I right, think. and there's a reason why Facebook took over MySpace, and a lot of it has to do with streamlining the whole social media process. Yeah. Uh, so Itch.io kind of has some flaws there, but it's also sort of a niche atmosphere anyway. So I think it kind of works for that doesn't really work for Epic Games, so theirs is obviously more streamlined as well. Uh, but the problem Epic Games is sort of having, or at least creating in the gaming world, is that they are uh, snatching exclusives from what would normally be on Steam, which is most PC players' preferred platform. Sure. Just because everyone already has it, it's easy to install. Yeah, it's sort of monopolistic, which is crappy and people don't really want, and they maybe can abuse that potentially with developers mm -hmm. to the tune of you know, taking twice as much money as they do from Epic Games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, more options for game developers, or for uh, game players, is better. Like, absolutely, it's better to have more options of where you play your game than less options, right? True. So, Epic Games is sort of taking that away by offering people basically giant bags of money to launch their game exclusively on their platform, either for an indefinite amount of time or for something like a year. Okay. And uh, some examples of that. Well, to be fair, the game in, in the gaming world, a year is basically an indefinite amount of time. Right. <laughs> By then, everybody's moved on three games deep. Yeah. Right. By the time something launches on Steam a year later, you might be saying, "Well, I'm not going to buy this unless I pay, you know, half or whatever the amount of time frame right. would normally get down to half uh, for the uh, initial MSRP." So some examples of some games that have followed this and taken Epic's giant bags of money are Division 2, which launches today. So you can only get that now on Uplay, because Ubisoft makes the games. Of course, they're selling it there in Epic Games. Yeah. Uh, Ubisoft historically has put all their games on Steam. Uh, this is the first one that isn't going to be on there. Uh, Hades, which is by Supergiant Games. It's one of the best indie studio companies out there. They make Transistor, Bastion and um, Pyre, so they're good games. Yeah. Transistor is one of my favorite games ever. Journey was a big hit on PS3. Whoa, 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 top 50? Oh yeah, it's a top 25 game. Whoa, Tra whoa, Transistor whoa. is an amazing game. All right. So Supergiant Games is a very good studio. Okay. Uh, so they did that. Journey launched on PS3. Oh, they're part of the Journey. So they, well, they're bringing Journey, it's the first PC it's the only PC-exclusive way of playing the game. Okay. Uh, but the two bigger ones I'm going to talk about real quick, because they created a little bit more of a hubbub, Metro Exodus, mm -hmm. which launched uh, last month, I believe, initially was going to launch on Steam. And they set up pre-sales, and everyone could buy the game on Steam. And then one day they said, you can't buy this game on Steam anymore. You can only buy it on Epic. Yeah. So now that's a problem. So people are like, what? What the hell? I was ready to buy the game on Steam when it launched, and now I don't know if I even want to play the game. Yeah, so Division, so because Division Two, before you could buy it, they announced it was exclusive. <clears throat> so you wouldn't, you're not spending money on a platform that isn't 
Right. You were thinking, okay, it's probably going to launch on Steam, but that's not something that was definitive. They didn't really talk about it. And then it was like, okay, well, if you want to do that, that's fine. But kind of going back on your word is a little bit of a different situation. It is. Now, they still did honor anyone who purchased it on Steam prior to that date. They gave them a Steam copy of the game. So they can play the game on Steam. It probably won't get updates as frequently as the Epic version or something, but you'll still get the full game. You'll still get to play the game and experiencing it. And they did honor what people purchased. So it's, I could see people being mad, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. At least they, they handled it. It's, it's not an unfair deal. Right. It's it, not, it's not untenable. It's, at the end of the day, it's not, it's not going to really impede anybody's play. Like I know you say they may not get updates as quickly. I'd be surprised. I'm sure they're going to get updates just as quickly. Well, unless you really think that would be, I think that they won't because I have games on GOG, which is a second tier store compared to Steam. Yeah. And several games have games that update their games about a week behind what Steam does. Oh wow. So it's not a big deal to me. I mean, a week isn't that big of a deal when I'm playing other stuff, but it is something that is noteworthy. Yeah, if you're and I think could affect uh, the Steam copy of this game. And if you're like exclusively playing a, as one game at a time, like I do often, that then it doesn't, you know. So I take sure. It back. Yeah, if it is. So it depends what kind of gamer you are. Yeah, if you're playing one at a time versus several. Yeah, because if it is, if it impacts the gameplay, if it means you don't have access to patches as quickly and you <laughs> don't have access to like say additional content as quickly, well then, yeah, that's a problem because you paid the same amount of money as, as somebody else who's playing it on an Epic system. Right. So that is a problem, but I believe you've got one that's even worse. I do. So about three days ago, a game that I pre-ordered and backed called Phoenix Point, which is a game similar to... To be fair, actually, that makes it even worse that you backed it. It did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm less, a little more apprehensive to back games, obviously, as I should be. I haven't had any issues backing games before until now, which is... I'm pretty happy with and surprised by. Uh, I've been able to pick them out until this time. So these guys, uh, it's by Julian Gallup, who's the original creator of XCOM, like with a dash in the name from the 90s. Oh, wow. So this goes back old school. Phoenix Point is the new version, sort of, of XCOM. Was he involved with XCOM too? No, he wasn't. Okay. He was completely out of the picture for Praxis Games, who made XCOM and XCOM 2 without a dash. Okay. That's in all caps, which is different than the not all capitalized version with a dash. Is that something to do with like uh, copyright or? Yeah, so Fraxis owns the copyright, or 2K Games owns the copyright the, to to use the XCOM name. So they're using Phoenix Point, but essentially it's a updated version of it in a lot of ways. It sounded cool, so I backed it. And there was also a sale on it, sort of the thing you do to get people to buy your game before it's even launched. Yeah. Uh, so three days ago, they were like. Well, sorry. Prior to that, they said when you buy this game, you are going to get either a Steam or a God key. You will get this. That is what you are purchasing. Three days ago, they said you can't get that anymore. You have to get an Epic key. This is the only way you're going to be able to play the game for a year. Yeah. They tried to kind of temper that with offering free DLC to any to everyone who's pre-purchased the game for the first year. Okay. But who knows what that free DLC is. It's probably like shirts you can wear for your soldiers or something that's completely inconsequential. Yeah. If you remember, Witcher 3 did a big marketing push. They were one of the first ones to really promote the free DLC when you you buy a game. You're going to get all this cool DLC. But most of it was completely silly, useless stuff. And it's cool that they did it. But shirts and pants for your characters don't really offer a lot of compelling selling points for me on a game. I think what you're describing... so. Let me say it back to make sure I understand. Sure. You 
pre-ordered a game, you purchased a product, they said you're buying a Steam key or a GOG key for this game. Right. And when it came time to deliver the product, they said, never mind, we're going to give you a Epic key for the game. You can't have the Steam. There's no Steam key for this. Right. Um, so you purchased a product, and then they delivered something different. Right. And you don't have an option. So that's almost... I, I'm going I'm to make an argument. I'm going to give myself my first counterpoint to that. But okay. My first thought is that's like an FTC issue. Like you have like that's something you could raise with you know a government agency. Right. Say hey, this company made a whole lot of money telling people they're going to sell them this thing, and now they're selling them something different. Now the argument I could see made there is that well, the product itself is hasn't changed. You're still getting the game that you said that you purchased. Right. All that's changing is how you access the game. And since both Steam and Epic's stores are free to download, like you don't have to pay for the platform, I could see an argument being made there that's like, well, it's not like we, you still, you can just as easily access the game. So then the question, you know, so I guess the question then is where does the, you know, where does well, this fall in like... I mean, that's sort of like saying, I mean, this is maybe a little bit more of an extreme example, but you get a gym membership and, uh, you know, you still have your gym membership that has all the treadmills and ellipticals and weight, uh, you know, equipment you have. So you're getting what you pay for, but they turn off the AC. You no longer have AC. <laughs> you're in a completely different environment than what you were used to. Well, but it's not like, it's not like uh, Epic stores. Is, so I guess then the question is, is the quality of Epic stores? All right. I was waiting for this. Oh, I'm so excited. Did you All right. set me up for that? Oh, I did. Okay. <laughs> so here we go. Oh, hold on. <laughs> 10 out of 10. All right. All right. So on uh, our PC Master Race, some guy named Discreal3 posted uh, last month how much worse the Epic Games Store is than Steam. <laughs> okay. Some of this is oh, uh, perhaps subjective, but a lot of it isn't. So it has terrible security. People get hacked all the time. Oh, that sucks. It has awful customer service. The games are more expensive due to their regional pricing. They make you pay a transaction fee before purchasing a game. Wait, wait, wait. So let's, can we start unboxing some of these? Just go through the whole list. I'm just going to go through the whole list real quick. Yeah. You can't play games offline. There's no social features like chat. There's no controller support. There are no achievements. There are no cloud saves. There's no game forms. They pay for exclusive rights to force you to use their store, which isn't good for consumers. They refuse refunds even if you meet criteria. There's no Linux support. They're partially owned by Tencent, which is a company that sells user data to the Chinese government, allegedly. And there are no user reviews. There are no reviews on any of their games. It's a crappier product. Oh, wow. Yeah, let's... So some of that... So, you're right, some of that is subjective. Some of that is... So some of it is certainly subjective. And I'm just reading this off of what this guy said. Okay, so these are, this is his research. How, it, how, it, it is. So I have read that there are issues with Epic security. Okay. Um, there, like, for instance, one person... You, you could... I don't know if it's still true, but sign up with an email without verification. Right. So you could say, hey, I have this famous guy's email. I'm just going to use it to sign up for the game. That creates other weird security issues. Yeah. Uh, when yeah. people are basically signing up an account for you that you didn't yeah, you say is okay. There's ways that leads into... Like, it's a very um, basic opt-in feature. Yeah, that can lead you into, like, phishing and, and right, exactly. social hacking and that kind of... Yeah, there's... Well, so, okay, let's let's step back to this list then, so... Let's unpack this, right? Because there's so, there's some bad ones in there. So let's let's go through it. Um, let's and go the ones in, that I think are more definitive, maybe. Let's say, let's go in reverse order real quick. Go in reverse I said order. Okay. There at the end, that I was very curious. About. Okay. 
uh, who owns this this company and where do they sell the information to? <laughs> so Tencent is a huge shareholder in Epic. I okay. think they own. I could be wrong, but I think they own like forty percent of that company. Awesome they own ten percent. They own a ton. They own a, a, they own more than that. They own a double-digit amount, I believe, in Epic Games. Okay, so that's, that's a significant. So they own a significant portion. They are a huge uh, multimedia entertainment company based out of China. Uh, whether they sell government data to the government is unclear. China is a totalitarian society, so it wouldn't surprise me if there's at least some amount of that going on. Yeah, if, if basically the way I would say it is based on, based on how much they are already. The, uh, how how aggressive the the programming of uh, hacking U.S. servers is from China. I would say that if you're signing up for a service that has some relation with China, and knowing knowing how those deals are usually made between Chinese companies and American companies, um, I would say with like 99% certainty, your informa your information is now in the hands of the Chinese government. It's on right. Now, what that means, I mean, is that does that mean like, oh no, you're gonna what? Like, you, you live right. in what is that really gonna do to you? Yeah, is that really bad or not? I don't know, but I mean, it does at some like ideological level. It just feels wrong. Right. I think it's just that it's a disconcerting feel yeah. to know that you're sharing your information with someone who's going to share it with somebody else that has a lot of power in this world yeah. and doesn't necessarily look out for your own best interests. So it seems like <laughs> they don't, don't even look out for the best interests of their own countrymen. Yeah. So if you're it's like you. Probably best serve signing up with this made-up email if you really want to be safe. All right. Safe. All right. So let's roll back to the next one. What was the next? next so thing? no user reviews. Okay. That's. I mean, that's not the end of the world, but I get. Yeah, I guess I, you could go to Steam to look at user yeah, reviews. Know, right? But no, the games aren't on there. So how are you supposed to get reviews? How do you get reviews for games? Steam. That's what I use. Because <laughs> it's the best. It's a huge part of it, and. Epic Games says they're going to add reviews, but it's going to be opt-in by the developer. So developers can choose whether or not they want to have reviews on their page, <laughs> which is ridiculous. That would be like a movie that uh, has a, um, what do they call it, the press ban before it's released? Like you're not allowed to... <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so that's... But worse. Yeah. But which, <laughs> Permanently banned. Yeah, but that's like a clear sign that it's a bad game. You know, uh, right. it's, You're only going to allow yourself to have reviews if it's a good game. And... Yeah, that's just a little... Or at least not a shady company. Yeah, this this sounds a little uh, anti-consumer. So, well, so far, we're, the first three things you said there, <laughs> I, think, I think I see a trend here. But let's see if it keeps... Let's see if it holds. Right. But having reviews for the game, like, I get it. That, that protects the developer. So that's definitely... It does. So their reasoning is that there are people that engage in re review grading, just yeah. downloading it for a social issue or one random feature that gets popular on Reddit and so everybody pairs it. And that does happen. It's really asinine. It does happen, right. Uh, Steam does a reasonable job and they're working on improving it where you can highlight where there are big gap or big uh, dips in reviews. Mm -hmm. It's pretty much always negative reviews that happen. Nobody brigades positively. Yeah. Uh, so you can see on the graph like, okay, this is the average positive negative reviews that have been happening for the last year. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, now there's a bazillion negative reviews from this week-long period. Yeah. Well, you can look at it and just realize there's a really random issue that people are com complaining about. Yeah. And it's pretty easy to look through reviews and see what the problem is. And most of the time, no one cares about it except for these either fanboys or fangirls of that game or another game that is somehow impacting. Well, it's, and there's also the, uh, if I'm correct if I'm wrong, but Steam has the ability to upvote and downvote reviews, right? Was this review helpful? Yeah, yeah. there's a, a helpful so feature that's, too. That's something that I do is if I'm looking at a game and trying to figure out, I mean, if it's got like a 99% user reviews, like I'm not going to be too worried. It's right. a great game. Right. But if it's like 
any sort of like mix at all, I'll start looking at what people consider to be the most helpful reviews. And fortunately, what I've seen is typically people who write good, neutral, in-depth reviews, those get voted up to the top. And so then he's like, yeah, it's got mixed reviews, but let me go look at see, let me go look for the reviews that that you know really give me insight into what I'm about to play, if I should buy it or buy it or not. And typically those are you know, brought to the surface. Right, I've so. universally found that as long as the game has at least mixed reviews and I'm interested in it, I will take a look at the reviews. Anything that dips below that yeah. to like the negative status is generally just a bad game. But I haven't seen any good games that have been below mixed. Yeah. They, so I think the system works plenty fine. I think there's enough honest people that are willing to give constructive feedback about a game yeah. and give their actual honest review as opposed to just parroting what somebody else said online. It, it might, also, might also have something to do with the fact that Steam has spent a very long time developing that system. Um, they have. That's, it's not like you can just plug and play a review system into your site. It's, it's, uh, it's, I'm sure Steam has a team of developers who have spent many, many years and have, have developed like serious expertise in this niche little area and they've spent years studying this. So if you want to talk about like competitive advantage between companies, Steam's review system, I would argue, would probably stand out as a competitive advantage because they're doing things that probably Epic's looking at like, well, we don't even know how to fucking do that. <laughs> I mean, we can see right. we can see how it works on the outside, but we don't know how the engineering works on the inside. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's like super easy to put together. I don't think it is. I think there's a lot of challenges that go into constructing that kind of review system that you see reviews that are actually helpful to you out of the thousands and tens of thousands that are available and kind of to the point that a mixed game won't bomb you Mm -hmm. monster hunter world launched and it has mixed reviews and still has mixed reviews on uh, steam Mm -hmm. but it's still a top 10 top 15 game in terms of the numbers that are playing number of players that are playing it at any given time So you can do plenty well with mixed reviews as long as you are able to see what really matters to you on that page. Yeah, it's basically I'm hearing that either they either or they're being protectionist towards the developers at the expense of the consumers or they just don't have the expertise to build out a robust review system. Right. You know? yeah. so, so that's where they're at. What was on the list? Uh, so they're paying for exclusive rights. To eh. force you there, so we talked about that a little yeah. bit. I, I think that's fine. That is I, I, I mean, that's a deal they want to make. If a developer wants to make that deal, more power. I, I agree with that completely. It, you have the option of buying that game on that store or not. That's part of the game. Is the, the store that it's on. Uh, there's no game forums, which isn't uh, a big deal either. I, don't I mean, that's why things like Reddit exist. Yeah. Uh, no cloud saves is a negative. Yeah, uh, uh, I've used cloud saves a lot. Uh, it made backing up my computer easy. I mean, I backed up all my save files when I made my new computer. Yeah. But I didn't need to because <laughs> Steam had all of my save files. Yeah. Well, plus it's nice. Sometimes I'll uninstall a game and then I'll reinstall like a year later. I've done that too. And all my save games are there. Yeah. And still, like there are games that I'm like, we want to go back and, and put another run through this game that I played four years ago. I'm like it's still there. It's like, incredible. Yeah. That's cool. The cloud. So not having cloud saves is worse. Uh, there's no achievements. Eh. Which. I, I like achievements, but I agree it's not a deal breaker. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll chase them on like PlayStation, but I don't, or actually, I don't chase them. But just when I get them, I'm like, ooh, let me go look. I at chase that. them on certain games. Yeah. I chase them on like Europa Universalis because it kind of has a free form approach to how you play the game. Yeah. So it kind of gives you goals. Well, I'll chase. So it depends on the game. I'll ch- I usually will ch- chase achievements built into the game. I don't chase Steam achievements. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there's it's just sort of a nice little add-on, but agree, not a huge deal. Yeah. There's no controller support. That's weird. Which is janky. I mean, most games have their own controller support, but yeah. Steam makes it a little easier, kind of 
As someone who plays fighting games, that's nice. <laughs> you can't just, I mean, uh, you and can't Dark just... Souls and games with controllers. Yeah, but wouldn't it, I mean, can't you still just plug a controller into a USB port and make sure the the keys are mapped correctly, and then it wouldn't matter whether it supports mm-hmm. it or not? You're you still... might need to download a third party program. Yeah, because you're like still to key or something. Okay, because I'm say you're still providing input. You're saying, hey, if I hit right on this, uh, right on the D-pad, it's it's me hitting. I don't right think it's a big deal. Button. This is another one, just like nice little add-ons, but not a key feature. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can't play games offline, which is ridiculous. Ooh, I do not. <laughs> that seems like. shady. Yeah, uh, I've got to imagine that's going to change, but that's real shady. Yeah, single player. If it's a single player game, why the fuck would you need to be online? I don't. I don't know. Uh, uh, and then the other ones on here are weird. I don't even like. I can't believe they're true. Like it says, Epic makes you pay a transaction fee before purchasing a game. That doesn't make any sense. I, maybe like in weird regions of the world or something. I I can't imagine that being true. That seems absurd. Yeah, I feel like we should... Yeah, that, I don't want to go into that without fact-checking. I, I, I don't either, too. Um, and the other stuff is a little bit more subjective, too, like the awful customer service. I don't know. Yeah. How, um, how many times have you reached out to Steam customer service? A lot. Oh, really? <laughs> because I get a lot of refunds. So here's the uh, other thing is they, they don't have refunds. Okay, there you go. Uh, and, but to be fair, most stores don't have refunds. Steam is the only one... I mean, other ones do to some extent, but Steam's refund policy is the best, and it's why I've started buying a lot more games on Steam recently. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like you, know, you buy, you go to the store and buy a game like physically and play it for a week and take it back, and right. then they're going to still look at you and be like, no, we're not going to give you a refund. You Right, which is play the game, which is like, fine. Steam's policy is great. It's yeah. for those who don't know, you can play any game, buy any game, and if you don't like it within the first two weeks and two hours of playing, you can refund it for any reason. And I buy a lot of full price games because of that. Well, so at the end of the day, I feel like some of those those things at the bottom of his list, the ones we went back through initially, um, it's also kind of scary. We're not scary, just really off putting. Right. I don't and like. So, yeah. so it's frustrating when these games are going to the store. And it's not just because it's going to another store and it's another launcher and it's another client. It's that it's not a good launcher or a good client. And it has none of the value adds that other services provide. Even Origin and Uplay are better products than the Epic Games Store. Are you able to get a hold of the cop- a copy of the game without going through any store? Like any launching front end? No. Okay, so you can't just like... Pay for all None of these games, all these games, you need to okay. buy through Epic Games, well, uh, with, I, except for the Division Two, which you can get on UPlay, um, or just go to the store and buy it physically. You know, you can always do that. Oh yeah, if you have a PS4. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> not on a PC. PC, you have to install one of these clients. Oh, you literally can't go. You in. cannot have this game without installing this client. Oh, there's no way to even go to. the There store. are some of the games, I think. Where you can install the client, download the game, and uninstall it, and it'll still work, oh. depending on how they've made it. Yeah, that reminds me. There's some game I bought for PC. I had, well, I don't think I bought it. I think I, think I was given a copy of it, but uh, it required me to install uh, Origin. Right. Yeah. So I mean, especially is, an EA game. Because I think it's an EA that. game, and I, in order for me to install the game, I also had to install Origin right. just to launch the game. Right. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. Um, so, and again, I don't... It's not a big deal if somebody is saying the only way you can play this game is on this platform. It's so it's more I guess the way you handle it can be very off-putting. I will yeah, the reason why now I'm going to go back to my FTC comment. I think this is a, is a major consumer issue because they have they offered a purchase of a, they offered a certain experience which you paid for uh, and you've already paid for it. Right. And now they're giving you something very, something sensibly different and right. potentially you know there's some security concerns there so that's where like if it started out with it's going to be on epic period that's the only way to get it that's one thing 
Uh, or if you buy, like you said, the other example, if you buy it on Steam, hey, we're not going to sell it on Steam anymore, but if you buy it on Steam, you'll be able to play it on Steam. Right, and we'll still up the game, yeah. update the it's, game it's for you. It's not perfect. You might be delayed on some stuff, but at least it's there. Now, what this this company has done, however, seems pretty... Well, so they will give you eventually a Steam or GOG key, supposedly when it launches in a year. Yeah, it's but you gotta wait a year. <laughs> I feel like I feel like whoever they're the the lawyer. I feel like they should talk to a lawyer. And if they did, I, they, my so feeling is they are they are offering refunds. Full refunds. But okay, you have to go through this third party and give them your bank account details instead huh. of just them refunding your credit card. Yeah. Uh, well, so to that point, mm-hmm. I having having been you know, running a company that processes lots of credit card transactions, it's not always as simple, I think, as people may assume to refund because it depends on your credit card processor, merchant services. Yeah, the, so they use the credit card. They company. use Exola, which is like a pretty well known, okay. um, especially for a lot of digital products. Uh, I think it's pretty easy. So when I so I also had the online store at Shiny Lake for a little while, yeah. it, and I used PayPal as our merchant services backend. It was super easy to refund people. Okay, I mean, let's PayPal. Like I said, so, some some sure. are different than others. Like if, if we wanted to refund somebody, um, I I don't think it would be as easy as clicking a button. I think it's harder for you because it's not an online transaction. There's is, there's a lot of details with an online transaction. Yeah, ours is an in person. I mean, we still capture. We still capture everything. Sure. But and then it has to be bashed and sent off and processed. So it's Understood. The whole thing too. Yeah. So I guess I would say, it, it's, but the, the it, customer can come to you on an online purchase and say, "This is my reference number. This is the one." Yeah. So here's what would happen though: is I would then take that to our our credit card processor, the, the back end, and say, right. "Hey, this needs to be refunded." That's what I would do. Right. I wouldn't say, "Hey, you need to take all of your sensitive bank account information and go to this other party." <laughs> That is not a that's only affiliated with us. It's not a company that we own or right. anything. Give it to them, and then yeah. they'll and like now that's that's also very sketchy. It is very sketchy. So I don't like that, and I think Phoenix Point has handled this worse than anybody uh, by yeah. far. And to be perfectly honest, the most surprising thing about all this is that normally the video game industry is incredibly clean, honest, and upfront. It's never sketchy. <laughs> yeah, that's never happened with no, video games. There's no, there's no I think that money's on the line. Everyone is totally cool. Yeah. As long as it's video games. <laughs> that's be honest, man. Like, sometimes the, like, corruption and shadiness in the video game industry is, like, mind-boggling. Because it's, like, I feel like it's such an unregulated, Wild West-ish, you know, filled with a lot of, like, interesting characters, the kind of person who can <laughs> get into the video game business, like, right. the business side of video games. Uh, and people are willing to overlook a lot of it for creative pursuits that they're able to indulge us in. Yeah, it's just, it's a... <laughs> well, anyways, here's another example of that going a little too far. So, I think Epic Games, the exclusives are bad when they force developers to kind of betray their fan base in a way that's unhealthy and unethical. And I think it's fine in a point of perspective where everything is known beforehand that this is how it's going to be. Yeah. Right. And it's good. I'm glad developers are getting more money. I, obviously, that's a good thing. I'm so I'm happy with that. Sure. Right. No one's complaining about that. But uh, don't expect people to follow suit to an inferior product when there are so many good games available. Yep. That's kind of what what it is. Well, uh, I learned something. Good. <laughs> you want to? Hope you. Everyone else did too. All right. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh let's close this one down, take a quick break, and we'll come back for the last 
last part of the show. Sounds good. Talking about level scaling and yeah, various online games. That. And then we'll up, I'll let you know what the sound was from Ooh. last week. I think you guessed it. Yep. And I got a fresh one for you. Nice, nice. I'm ready. And, uh, we'll go from there. All right. Sounds good. What's up? We're still back. Hey, we're back again. Cool. Season two. Oh my god, it feels good. All right, so <clears throat> we uh, were talking a little bit about Anthem earlier. We're going to talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, we're, we're probably giving this way more airtime than it needs. Probably, but it did spark a pretty interesting conversation Conversation just about level scaling in general. I mean, multiple multiple interesting conversations, but yeah, the one here is the is the stuff of the scaling, because we, we started talking about like level scaling and... Uh, I was complaining about what's going on in Anthem, and plus, if you've been following the game at all, there's a lot of stuff going on about their um, gear system scaling and your level scaling against enemies and how uh, it doesn't make any sense and seems to be super broken. Right, um, so how does it work? Yeah, because they also hide a lot of information from you as well. Or it's not hidden, it's just it's not offered up. So, so uh, the way it's been described by the developers is that you know you everything scales to everything. So you scale to the world. Okay. Uh, and enemies scale to... It's weird. So basically, imagine this. Here's a... It's more like a relative damage attack, I guess. Okay. And what I mean by that is if you're a level 30 dude hanging out with your level 10 buddy and you're both shooting at the same enemy, you're going to do... It's, it's almost like you're, you're fighting a level 30 enemy, he's fighting a level 10 enemy. So if, if you go th- both go into like a stronghold, which is their version of a raid, um, the enemies you're killing are uh, level 30 and the enemies he's killing are level 10. Um, which is super weird. Sure, but it's a way that you can play with your friends. Way that you can play with your friends, regardless yeah. of what your level of but, but dedication a, is. You know, somebody who's been playing for about a, a year or, or a week. Uh, what I've been noticing is like I don't really have any idea what level the enemies I'm fighting are. <laughs> I've got no idea how difficult they're going to be. So uh, it's not like there's a green enemy or a red enemy or whatever. It's just I mean, you're the, an enemy. They designate them between like normal. That's just this is the name of the enemy. Then they'll be like epic and legendary, right? Um, however, I've had times where it was like extraordinarily easy to kill legendary enemies and super hard to kill like a basic enemy. Um, there's an, and there's no indication as to what I'm about to walk up to. I have no idea. Um, I'm going to map and I'm like, oh, I remember these guys. These were so easy to kill earlier. Oh, now it's really difficult to kill. But all right, more, aren't it stronger? Like I've, I've, I've no, yeah. So you didn't know that. No, you're not stronger. So it's just so that doesn't make that. That's one of the issues. Hey, the enemies have been out. grinding too. That's what you're not aware of. Apparently, yeah. Four <laughs> um, seven. And so right. And so that's that's odd. And then some people on Reddit, uh, being the way they are, have been doing some really hardcore research. Uh, into picking apart the system and have discovered some very odd things. Uh, one of the first things that was discovered about a week ago was that the base level starter assault rifle uh, is like the best weapon in the game. I saw, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I saw a damage comparison between that and the legendary weapon. It took three shots with the legendary weapon and two shots with the level one weapon to break yeah. some guy's shield. That shouldn't happen. Uh, that's, no. that's, that's fucked up level scaling. Uh, there's, there's a problem, and there's also an issue too where um, I think that one was a bug in particular, but it, there are other level scaling issues, power yeah, scaling issues. That, that kind of get well, it got people really digging into right. it, and they discovered things like if you only equip a single legendary item, uh, the way it calculates your average power, not your total power, but your average power, uh, is very different, 
and you will be basically overpowered because like your other it doesn't take into account gear that you don't have equipped. So instead of let's say you have two slots to equip stuff to, right? And you equip a power one hundred item to one slot and a power fifty item to the other slot. Well, your average power is going to be 75. Right. right? 100, 100 plus 50 divided by 2. Sure. If you equip 100 power slot thing to one slot, and you just equip nothing in the other one, or like a level 1 item, it just says, okay, well, it's, you have one item equipped, so it's power 100 divided by 1. <laughs> so you're way more powerful. You're better off not equipping that other item. You're better off not having anything yeah. protecting your chest, as long as you've got a really powerful gun. Yeah, so there's they found some weirdness there. Like, it just it doesn't make sense. And then on top of that, there's one article, one article saying, like, hey, the, we've discovered basically that, like, nothing really matters except uh, the rareness and the level, like, the overall level. Like, it doesn't matter what damage or, like, what bonuses it's got in there. Like, if it's got a plus 15% to overall damage or you know, plus 12% ammo to this thing, or plus 13% to your shields, like, none of that really matters. Like, all that matters, just just like, whatever has the highest level, just equip that. Um, so I've, just, I've experienced some very bizarre moments playing this game so far. The level scaling, I get what they're saying, that it's like, it's everything <coughs> scales to you. Right. It doesn't play it that way, it just plays weird. Yeah, so Destiny 2 is another game where everything scales to you as well. I think they handled it a little bit better. Uh, it's also been around longer, so they've been able to iron out some of the kinks, but the system still works in a way that uh, whenever you go and you're fighting something, uh, you get scaled so that, best case, you do 10% more damage if you're optimally built, and if you're really poorly built, you do 10% less damage. But there's not really huge swings in what yeah. your power level is compared to maybe some other RPGs that are yeah. out there. Well, like this last bit about Anthem 2, the way it's it's almost overly simplified and, and just seems weird because a level 30 player in green gear, which is uncommon, uh, is not going to be as powerful as a level 10 character in blue gear, which is like right. the rare gear. The only thing I can say to that is it, it, it's the, the idea of having a level is misleading. I think it really just comes down to... Right, it kind of defeats the purpose. If everything is just scaled in a way that yeah. you can overcome any challenge, just like anyone who's a much higher, stronger character than yeah. you can do, is it really an RPG? I mean, you may as well just not have loot and just say you're just a shooting game. I think, if anything, it's it's just the only thing that does matter is the gear. Like, it doesn't matter what your level is. Like, okay. all that does is maybe help you unlock other aspects of the game. But then it's like, what's the point of that? So, yeah, especially because you don't want to equip anything except for one amazing slot item. Yeah, so it's just the whole the whole thing's kind of strange. So I'm going to be experimenting with it a little bit more. So I'm still playing it. Right. Like I said earlier, it's a fun game. So I'm right. going to play around some builds. But uh, there have been uh, there have been games that do the you know everything kind of scales to your level, and they've done that successfully. You know, they've, I, well, so they've done it in different ways. So the other one of the other forms of level scaling isn't really where everything scales to you. I mean, there's level scaling, but not necessarily so that everything is so uniform where everything scales to you. And that is where there's more upscaling and downscaling depending on who you're playing with or the region of the world you're playing in. Right. Uh, so one pretty good example um, is mentoring system, which is where a lower level player scales up to a higher level player that you're in the same party with or in a uh, particular area of the world with. Uh, so example of that is Division 2, which just came out today again. Uh, you play with a friend in the same party, you're going into an instance area of the world, and you're level 8, your friend's level 2, they're now a level 7 or 8 character. So they get to play alongside you. They're not going to be quite as strong because there are skill points and other facets of your character that enhance your strength. But 
but they're generally dealing out, you know, 90%, 85% of the same damage as you, as long as they're playing with you. And I think that's a big difference. EverQuest 2 does this as well, or if you play with a friend who's a higher level, you get to be a little bit stronger. Uh, the big difference here, though, is that for you to be stronger, you have to play with a higher level character. Whereas in Anthem or Destiny 2, it doesn't really matter. Everything is scaling to you regardless. And like you said, you do like relativistic damage. It's yeah. based on your percentage that you're able to do based on your weapon, based on your level or whatever. It's, it's like I was saying, like your level almost doesn't matter, but then your gear level doesn't seem to matter a whole lot either because then it's just... You know, just it's scales. all scaled anyway. Yeah, so it's like, what, what's the point? Right, so you lose the progression element, which is why people play <laughs> RPGs, yeah. is progression. And so you're taking out a major component. I think mentoring does it better, and it might have been interesting if Anthem or Destiny 2 yeah. created one of those systems instead or goes to it at some point. Okay. One thing I like about mentor, the mentoring system is that you, it's, it gives you an incentive to keep playing the game, too. Because you play with your buddy and you get to see parts of the game. You're like, oh, that's really cool. I can't wait to get there. It's like, right. oh, look at that kind of, that, that gear looks awesome. I want to get that. And so it gives you an incentive to keep playing because you're like, it kind of exposes you to where you're headed. That's right, cool. right. Yeah. And you, you can either get there by playing with your friend forever or more likely you're also going to branch out on your own and try to get there yourself sometimes too. And you'll slowly get up there in levels as you're playing all these missions anyway. Right. Uh, another one is kind of the opposite of that, which is where you have zones that scale your level down. So uh, Guild Wars 2 and the Star Wars The Old Republic MMO both have these elements of lower level zones where you can go in and you will downscale your level to basically a certain cap of that level. So maybe you're in a level 11 to 20 zone and you go in there with your character who's level 50, you will now be level 20. You'll still have more skills and abilities because maybe you've been buying those up with points or whatever the case is, but you're doing damage like a level 20. Right. I don't like that one as much. Is that So when you say down in the zone, is that... Is that like just if you're just playing on your own, or is that if you're with a group doing something? So this, both of them are in zone, so it's not group dependent, okay. it is zone dependent. Okay, I don't like that as much. Right. Um, I would feel, because like, I mean, first of all, typically the way these games are built is you have no reason to go back to that zone, right? You, yeah, you finish the content there and you've yeah. moved on. It's not like you can get better gear by going back and killing some creature that's 50 levels lower than you, right? Right. That's not going to happen. Um, I could see wanting to play with your friends. If your friends are all low level, um, the the argument I would see there is that, well, you've done all this work to get to this level, so like you've earned this space, they haven't earned it, but you still want to play with your friends, so you'll go back and help them. Right. So you're like, you're scaled down, you're still more powerful, but not like one-shotting everything powerful. Right, you're still able to get some fun out of the content and yeah. some challenge. And that's the point, is that every zone in the game offers some level of challenge now or you can't just face roll over enemies. Uh, it also, at least in Guild Wars 2, has a system that you earn this currency for completing events. And there's events in all these different zones in the game, and they're very unique to the zones that they're in. And so you can still get some currency from these events that will let you buy whatever stuff you want to buy in Guild Wars 2. So you are getting some benefit out of it, and the system kind of works because... Guild Wars 2 doesn't have as much of an emphasis on loot as other MMORPGs and MMO you know, looter shooter type games tend to have. Mm -hmm. So it does work a little bit better, but I just feels wrong to kind of go backwards. Like you always want to be moving forward or at least be in an area that you have the opportunity to move forward from where you're at. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. 
I can, I can see both, but yeah, there's also, you know, you want to be able to go, yeah, yeah you don't want to be, feel like you're being pulled. I think, I think my, when I really described to what you just said there about how you want to keep moving forward, it's about the, if I'm solo and I go into another a place I've been before, I don't want to get scaled down. Like, it's different if I'm going True. to friends to help them out, I don't mind getting scaled down in that situation. But if I'm going back somewhere that I've already beaten and I'm just trying to get through it or do, just check something out and I've already put the time in and I'm like way more powerful, I, I feel like I ought to be able to just walk. I mean, they, I've seen some, there's some games, I can't remember one now, but I like, think basically you don't even get attacked. Like, the creature's like, nope. Not, right. Not there's even, no reason I'm gonna fight you. Yeah, I'll die. It's like the creature turns gray. You get zero experience from killing them. You get nothing from no loot. I mean, I literally get zero experience, and so there's no point in killing them. They're not gonna attack you. And I like that because then you just you can just whatever reason is you have for going there. It's not to like fight stuff. You've got another reason for going to that zone. So like they just the developers are like okay, we'll just like take out this tedious element of gameplay for you exactly. and let you to get what you actually want to be doing. So like scaling down an individual character for an individual play, playing by themselves doesn't really make any sense to me. Yeah, um, I agree with that as yeah. well. It's not a really fun experience and doesn't add a lot. It doesn't add as much as the mentoring system does. And the and the big as you touched on the big part of that is whether or not you're in a group. Yeah. Right. Zones versus being in a group. And the reason for scaling is primarily to play with friends who have different schedules and different amounts of time they dedicate. Right. So that allows you to do it. The mentoring system does a better job. I think there is one other reason to have scaling, though, which is to open up the world immediately and make it basically challenging at all times to some extent. Yeah without making it impossible to get to without playing the game for umpteen hours of playtime. Yeah, and that's and that sometimes can be can serve a narrative purpose, like to right. jump, jump back to Anthem. Uh, the fact that everything scales to you means the entire place is is basically accessible immediately. Which I mean makes sense from a narrative perspective if you're a dude in a or a lady inside of basically an Iron Man suit, right? And uh, <laughs> there's no reason that the there's not you don't have a situation where you've got the purple weird lizard I can kill no problem but the orange shaded version destroys me like that doesn't add up right right so when everything's scaled it's just a lizard it's here it's also over there you know it's the same you're fighting the same thing um, yeah so you've got kind of immediate access to the entire entire place so and I think the thing is there's a better way to do it than how Anthem and Destiny have handled it, which is how Elder Scrolls Online did it. And I'm surprised that other companies haven't followed suit or don't plan to follow suit on yeah. this. But they created this open world, everything is upscaled to level 50. Okay. And Daryl, this is the I think this is the third time you tried to explain this to me. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll see, see how this goes. This, yeah. So every character at minimum is essentially a level 50 character with the power of 160 champion points. So like sort of this post-level 50 element of experience. What's my first question then? Uh, why level 50? Why not just level 1? Zero. I mean, what's the point? Why, uh, why are there levels in the game? At all, yeah. What's the, why, is, why have that? So it's just an element of progression, essentially, for the game. You can still gain levels. You can still gain levels. The reason that you're gaining levels is really kind of just going through the experience of learning the game. And at some point, though, you get to level 50 and you start accruing champion points. Okay. And you can go above 160 champion points. So that's sort of the soft cap. Everyone is promoted to that level of strength, but you can go beyond it. So you sort of are doing nothing 
ostensibly for mm. a while until you get to that point, and then you're getting little upticks in strength. So there is a reason for leveling up. It's so that you can level up, okay. <laughs> essentially. <laughs> uh, but the benefit that you're getting while you're leveling isn't so much power, obviously, because you're getting upscaled anyway to yeah. the same level that everyone else is at, or all the other enemies are at. It's that you have essentially 10 level, ten skill levels for each skill in the game, and you get more of those by using them, and you also get skill points from quests and other accomplishments in the game, and you'll get new skills. There's a crazy amount of skills in the game that have a pretty impressive amount of build opportunities compared to other MMOs. It's very cool. With those, you will slowly level them up, and then you can morph them, which is like there's a branch path to change skills to kind of specialize in one way or the other. And with all those skills, you're only choosing 10 of to add to your bar. But you may want to play a damage dealer one day and a tank the next day. So you'll have multiple skills for different uses. Mm -hmm. and so you have even more reason. You don't want just 10 skills. You want 20 skills because I want to play a different way with yeah. my same character. And the game handles it very seamlessly in my, in my opinion because of just how easy it is to go from anywhere in the world to anywhere else in the world and still be able to experience the content of the game. Right. And this is uh, Elder Scrolls Online. Right. When was this released? It was released, I think, four years ago. Okay. It's a pretty old game. Uh, so they just launched this patch. I think it was five years ago. This was about a two-year-old patch where they brought everyone under this. It's called One Tamriel, where everyone is upscaled to level 50 mm -hmm. as, your, as your base level. And then, again, you can go beyond that and you can get more points. Right. So what I think it's cool about it and what I think it does well is a person who gets upscaled to level 50 is not as good as someone who's naturally there because they don't have the skills, they don't have access to the same equipment quality because uh, there are different tiers of equipment quality and your level does matter for that as well. Again, up to the soft cap of CP level 160, level 50, whatever. Uh, so those people are better. So kind of giving your example of Anthem or Destiny 2, you know, if you have blue gear and you're level 10, the other person has blue gear and they're level 30, well, you're the same, yeah. right? And this, that's not the case. You are better. You're not three times as good. You're not two times as good. You're 20% better. Yeah. But you're better, yeah. right? So progression still means something, and you still feel like you are advancing and that your contributions to your character are actually meaningful. And these games are all about progression. And I think Elder Scrolls gets it right by allowing players to play with friends anywhere in the world because mm -hmm. everyone's upscaled, so you can play with whoever. Smart, yeah. But there are still challenges that you can only get into if you are the highest tier character. So maybe I can't go raiding with my friend. Yeah. Maybe I can't experience that 10% of the game. But the other 90%, we still have something to do together. So it's kind of a gatekeeping. It's like access to parts of the game as opposed to... Right, you have access to the majority of the game yeah. without losing some of the experience of feeling like you're a powerful badass. I guess. Which is very important, right? I mean, that's why people play these games. So... Okay, that makes more sense to me now. Yeah, now that we talked through it, because uh, yeah, at first I was like, oh, I just like I don't even understand the con the purpose. So my my purpose of having a level fifty just have a level one, but um, it sounds like the patch is what introduced this. Is that right? Right. So, there was a patch, yeah, about two years ago. So at launch, not the case. At launch, not the case, and the game was terrible. <laughs> the game was not good for many reasons besides that. Uh, the game has really shaped up to be probably the best MMO on the market. Right now, didn't WoW do something similar? World of Warcraft, where they everybody can just start at level sixty or fifty or something like that. They had something, yeah, where you got to have an instant level, high level character right. for something. It might have been for buying the new expansion or, or something, or maybe everyone starts with it now. Okay. 
But that kind of brings us to another form of scaling. And this is more of a uh, static. We were even arguing, or not arguing, but discussing earlier whether this counts as scaling or not. And I kind of, it depends on how you're defining scaling, I sure. think. But this is more of like a static scale. And, and a lot of games are like this. You see it in Division as well. Um, a lot, most MMOs. Division do, 1. Division 1, yeah. Most MMOs do this. It's where you know your level, you are the one scaling up, and you get more powerful. You gain levels and equipment, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the regions you have access to are are that's like the restriction. So you can only go to the level one to ten region. You, you're sorry, you shouldn't you shouldn't <laughs> go to level twenty through thirty when you're only level seven. Right, regardless of yeah. whether you're playing with friends or not, your level is your level, your level, and the regions are the regions that they are with their strength. And that's it. Yeah, which which can create the weird thing where like the shade the orange shaded version is more powerful than the green shaded version of something, uh, which is annoying. Um, but uh, there, and there's, there's other advantages there too, where you you uh, are kind of you, the progression is a little more powerful because like oh man I've spent 40 hours just even see this area now I get to be here so that, that's kind of cool and then um, I just banked to what I was gonna say dang <laughs> oh, I hate it when this happens does it have to do with World of Warcraft yeah it does so, we're um, talking about it well I yeah. I think yeah, take the static scaling. Here. I think it's antiquated. Okay. With at least in regards to online games, I think with I mean offline games, it's a completely different ball game. So I'm just talking about online. Right. I feel the biggest part of those games, uh, the biggest value add is playing it socially, mm-hmm. right? If you're playing an MMO or something related to an MMO, you want to be able to play with your friends, and not everyone plays the same amount of a particular game. I think it's extremely vital for me to have any long-standing sessions with any particular game to be able to experience that. I was able to play, you know, play League of Legends for a while, and it's you know a PvP game versus a PVE game primarily, where you're fighting you know other players instead of monsters or the environment or whatever. Yeah. And I was able to play that because we were all able to play on the same team and play together against other people, and it didn't matter that. I mean, yeah, it mattered that people were better or worse than one another, but it was a pure skill-based thing. It wasn't like we were gated off because yeah. of some arbitrary number how or playtime. How much time you spent grinding, yeah. Right. It, it, we, were, we were gated by playing against better players because people weren't as good. But we've got good matches, and there was fun. Yeah. So right? that, and that's that's the other issue with uh, with World of Warcraft and similar, similar games that have that static scaling to them. Um, you'll find that, I remember had this happening, like culturally, we all started saying, okay, we just got to grind to the end game, and then you get to play the game. Right. It's like, oh, you don't really, you're not really playing the game until you get to the end. And so for a while, it was really shitty when you get a new MMO and you spend all this time grinding to the end, you get there and you're like, oh, there's nothing really to do at the end of the game. You know what I hate more than anything hmm. is people who say, who you come on a forum or something and you say, or you tell somebody, this game's really boring. I've been playing it for 20 hours. It's just not fun. And they're like, you just got to wait till you get to the end game. Then you're going to love it. And how long does that take? Oh, you should be like 200 more hours and you're there. Like, <laughs> why am I investing 200 hours to get to play a game? Just, just to get to the game. Just to get to the game. Yeah. that's It's no. absurd. That's a no. It's, it's tough to make grinding fun. And, that, and so you, that's why I think you've seen a shift in some of this. It's like, how can we get people to the fun, fun meaningful content where you feel like you're getting meaningful equipment, like boosts or whatever experiences, um, without having to sacrifice. Right, you know, like the end game has yeah. become synonymous with the fun game. Yes. <laughs> right. And that's that's not everything great. else before the end game is sucks. So yeah. if it sucks, why is it there? 
if the first time through a, game, a grind, it's one thing. You know, you're the like, first time you go through it, it's sort yeah. of a rite of passage. You're like, yeah, it's a rite of passage. You're like, oh, cool. Like, this is what it's but, like. But right. Once you've done it, you're like, I've done this already in a million games. I don't need to do this again. I'm never doing it again. Yeah. And then sometimes a story can come out of it. Like, The Old Republic, uh, I was lucky in that I picked the agent, and which apparently had the best narrative of all Yeah, I think all of them, except for a couple of them, were pretty good, from what I understand. But they didn't have the yeah. best one. And I enjoyed the quote-unquote grind, because I was playing for the story. But it wasn't a grind, right? You were playing a story. It's like playing a single playing... player. You're playing Final Fantasy. You're not grinding on random enemies and yeah. just leveling up. You're experiencing a story, and you happen to be fighting enemies and leveling up. Yeah, and it, that was actually one of my complaints about the game, too, is like, I'm having a really fun time playing a single-player single, single player game. It's weird there's <laughs> all these other people running around doing things. Right. Because I was having no reason to interact with any of them. We were all just like playing our own single-player game <laughs> in the same game. It is odd. That was an odd thing. Yeah, I can't deny that. Yeah. Oy. Uh, the last one we should mention, which we've talked about before, um, when uh, scaling to you gets out of hand. Uh -huh. and that's the classic example from Oblivion. <laughs> right. Oblivion when so going back to the offline yeah. RPGs. But this, this is an offline RPG thing, um, but just you get that hilarious moment <laughs> where you find, later in the game, you... You find a bandit on the side of the road who's decked out in the most powerful, expensive gear possible. And you're just like, how did you get a hold of that? Uh, and I think I, my theory, my lore theory to make this work narratively, is that you've been spending so much time going into all these, like, what were they called? The, the portals that you had to go into yeah, to beat the demons. Whatever they were, portals, so, essentially. So you go in, you kill those dudes, you get a crazy amount of amazing loot, you come back and you sell it all to the town. Well, I mean, yeah, you keep selling all this amazing loot, you're going to drive the price down. And then pretty soon everybody has access to, like, Daedric weapons hey. and glass weapons and, and like, you know, that's, so you just basically ruin the economy. And <laughs> That's uh, one way of looking at it. Yeah. So that, now it's like, you're just throwing away gold plates and... Everywhere. Stuff. Yeah, because it's like, who cares? It's diamond dust. And as we were talking about with all these games, loot's all that matters. So, <laughs> <laughs> so as long as you equip a gold sword, you're an amazing sword wielder. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. So what what is your opinion on the best system among all of these? I mean, I've, I think mm -hmm. made my opinion clear that I like the Elder Scrolls model the most. Yeah, because it's, it's more just gets you to the end game. Yeah. Right, yeah. I feel like the end game starts as soon as you create a character. Then couldn't the argument be made that uh, the um, the championship points, champion points, is that what they're called? Yeah. Does that, can the argument be made that that represents levels? Or leveling? Like, hey, you've got more skills than the other guy and better gear than the other guy. Um Right. I mean, you have some progression. Yeah. The everything is so incremental that I think it's fine. If you have, you know, one level in EverQuest or World of Warcraft. Yeah. Especially like EverQuest back in the day was night and day difference. Yeah. You know, if you were level fifty fighting someone level forty nine, you won. If you're level fifty, yeah. it doesn't matter if they were just like smacking the keyboard, right? Yeah. Uh, what matters is that they were having to be higher higher level than you. Yeah. So the championship points are a nice little incentive to keep playing the game and progressing your character. Yeah. And they can make a big difference if you're 700 points ahead of somebody. Yeah. But it feels like it should make a difference at that point. It doesn't feel... And it feels like it takes a lot of effort to get there. It's more subtle progression. Right. So, yeah, it's more of like a kind of logarithmic progression rather than a linear or exponential oh. progression. Oh, okay. So I think that's a healthier progression that once you get to, like, sort of the soft cap... You can't get too much stronger than that, but you get strong enough to make it worth your while. Okay, and so, uh, but the but the key point is that at the beginning of the game, you have access to everything, and you can ostensibly right. participate in everything. Right. Just you may not, not maybe not very well initially. Exactly. Okay. Uh, for me, I don't know. I mean, for me, it really just depends on the game. 
I think, I think scaling to your, like a, a perfect world would be, well, I mean, I think my favorites are actually, my favorites are when, if the game is not like a static scaling, because if I'm starting out as say a farmer, right. like some, some games will start you out, you're a farmer, you don't know shit. <laughs> right. And then you get really, you're really good. Club. Yeah. Like I want to be able to go back and like fight like, oh wait, is this just some like, uh, Popping mushroom because that shows up as an enemy sometimes. Yeah, if I'm a farmer and there's a poisonous mushroom jumping around, I really wish I hadn't settled on this as my metaphor, but I did. Um, so I was mushrooms. Yeah, I, it's gonna freak you out a little bit. You're gonna, but then, like, you come back, you know, ten years later, and you're decked out in the most amazing gear ever, and magic spells, and like enchanted weapons, and you look at that thing. It's like you should auto kill it. That should that thing should not be auto scaled up to you, right? Sure. So I, sometimes I wonder if maybe just like a, a moderate amount of like scaling to your level is good, but constrained, um, or just none at all. Well, I mean, you have the the mentoring system that allows that, which yeah. maybe is yeah kind of your preference. Like you could get to play with friends yeah. and have them level up to you, but you can go back to an old zone and just slaughter everything. And, I, and I'm talking like about a mad tyrant on a rampage. Yeah, and I'm really like specifically talking about single player games. So it's weird when you see level scaling in a single player game. Okay, that was odd. I agree, uh, and that's. Again, why I'm trying to separate yeah. those out and really concentrate on uh, online games. In a multiplayer game, uh, especially one where it's like you know you, you're not like immediately reset each time, like a battle royale or a um, or uh, uh, or something. Yeah, it's it's uh, like League of Legends or something. Right. Like that. It's it's going to be more a. Um, I feel like there's got to it's it's tricky. You got to balance progression against you know. Like, what are you playing for if there's no progression? Like, you, you know, ultimately, everybody wants to be the badass of badasses, but you also don't want to sit around and spend 50 hours grinding just to start playing the game. All right, so I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Just, okay. I can tell you when it's been done well and when it hasn't. <laughs> as long as it's done well, you're fine. Yeah, at the end of the day, I think any of these systems... I mean, systems, I agree with that, yeah, certainly. Yeah, these systems could be done right. They could. Yeah. I think that's maybe the key. It's just a matter of whether it's it has been executed well or not. True. I do think... I think that's true, just that the maximum potential is there for a fully open world, yeah. like Elder Scrolls, where everything upscales, and then you have a certain threshold that you can exceed that on. Yeah, because I mean, same thing. I always I always appreciate when the leveling and scaling system kind of feeds into the narrative, too. Like, if you start out the world, and if you're supposed to be this a beginning wizard, you're still a wizard, and in theory, like, your character had to spend a decade to get to that point, so he's probably a bad, or he or she is probably a you badass. You can probably do something productive. Yeah, you're probably, you should already be a badass, right? Uh, so, yeah, it makes sense that there shouldn't be much in the world that you can't take on, and that's what the game, so I get that. Yeah. Yep. All right, well, dang. That was some some scaling. Yeah, we scaled up. Scaling. I think we should probably start wrapping this up. Where are we on time? Yep. Yeah, um, it's been a minute. I think we're good. Uh, feels right. Everything just feels right. Yeah, it feels feels like we've been on a good pace. We'll get texted from work. Let me just ignore that super long <laughs> thing. Too many words. Oh great, oh, that's fun. I'll just get back to that later. Yep. Okay, so you got. We have sound. Do we go to the sound of the episode? Mm-hmm. All right, so last week I played a sound. I'm going to cut it back in here again for our listeners. And boop. Quad spawn. Everybody has the quad. Your team has the quad. Impressive. 
death master killing spree. All right, that should, I should be able to catch that. That's cool. Recording. Uh, you you heard it last time. You guessed it right. What was it? I don't remember now. You don't, <laughs> you don't remember. That now. was a week ago. You should. You got it like right away. I know I did. <laughs> I remember getting it right away. Oh my gosh. Uh, I can try and pull it up for you again. Let's see if I remember again. All right, let me test Chris again on this one. <laughs> Let's see here. Oh yeah, it's quite. Which one? Two? No. One? Three? Four? Quake three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ah, uh, there we go. There's the headshot. There you go. Headshot. All right. Uh, actually, that made him quick four. I'm sorry. Ah. Oh god. Sorry. What's happening? I remember that one. We're under attack. Uh, yes, yeah, so that was a railgun. That's what I was looking for. That's what I wanted to hear. Uh, but the one I'm going to do for you now, this is this is kind of the same. Uh, we're in the same kind of genre here. Okay. Unreal uh, tournament. It's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm looking for again is the uh, name of the game and the gun. If you can tell me what okay. that is, that'd be cool. And, and I won't say it. You won't say it. You let me know if you know it. And I'll let you know later. Here is if you write in, you guess it. Send us an email, a message, or whatever. Hit me up on Facebook. Let me know. Uh, I will happily buy you a round of beer and maybe something else. We'll see. Alright, so that'll be the sound of the episode for next time. Yep. I think that's it. Yep, hit us up on... Oh, we got a bonus episode coming out. We got a bonus episode from another interview we did during that we last did, episode. We did two interviews at the Smash kind of tournament. Split one them up for just time's sake. Yeah, so I think the next episode should be hitting, hitting the uh, interwebs now. This one will release next, and then we'll do that bonus episode probably after this one. Sounds good. And that'll be an interview with Tim uh, Graham from Smash United, one of the guys who runs or helps run that one that run that company or works for the company, runs the tournaments. Yeah, plays <laughs> a pivotal role in their marketing efforts. Exactly. All right. Uh, well, with that, uh, we're gonna do the. Yeah. So you can hit us up on NoSickDaysPodcast.com or Facebook. As well, no sick days. I sound so excited about all these things. I just, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm just telling people how they can find us. <laughs> I don't want to like hype it up any more than they already probably hyped up our amazing production quality for the past 85 minutes. Yeah. I think by now they need to come down a, and just like go to nosickdayspodcast.com. Bring them down. Email us at nosickdayspodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook, no sick days podcast. Go to nosickdayspodcast. Uh, type, 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 no sick days. Oh my God. Podcast. Oh. Is that how that works? Is everyone really? I don't know what just happened. <laughs> we gotta think. We gotta think of a better way to do that. Look, we got a website. It's a thing. Go check it out. Cool. All right. Uh, until next time, uh, I am John. I'm Chris. And until next time, we're the No Sick Days <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Dot com. No Sick Days Facebook. No Sick Days.